1: Today on NASCAR America with the Cup Series off this weekend, all eyes are on the Xfinity Series. We will preview what to expect in Iowa and predict whether or not one driver's long winless streak will finally be snapped. We are also joined by one of the drivers competing this weekend, Kaz Grala, who's been turning heads as of late in a 61 car. And a win this weekend can mean a whole lot more than just a playoff spot. And with Father's Day this Sunday, Ken Squire takes a look back at some of NASCAR's most memorable Father son moments. And with that, we welcome you into NASCAR America, carol LaMano, Landon Castle, Parker Kligerman from Charlotte. What in the wide world of sports is happening? Why are you down there?
2: I don't know. I just have this sudden urge to say, here's what I'm gonna say. Like <laughs> Jeff Burton would. I'm no. at Burton's garage and I'm just starting to see what this kingdom he's built around here. It's very nice. Just really be nice. careful.
1: Just be careful because I was down there this week and Landon quickly sent out a request for me to babysit. And I have a <laughs> feeling he's gonna send you a very similar yeah. request. Um
3: I live about ten minutes from there, so after the show, do you mind just making sure that Beckham is in bed at a decent time?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You thing. want no that problem. guy watching your kid moving heading into Father's Day Weekend? No, all and also You can
3: just you can take my girlfriend out to dinner
2: tonight. <laughs> No problem. <laughs> That's Thank fine you.
1: with me, um, Parker. Very exciting news for you. Share with us. Tell us.
2: Well, I will be racing the Gaunt Brothers Racing Toyota number 96 that I raced at the Coca-Cola 600 at Sonoma, which is a road course. So I'm quite excited about that. And you know, last time I did this, I put on a hat. So I thought I'd just not break tradition. And once again, have a hat to put on. It's like a show good driver interview. So, yeah. Yes, like any interview. So I'm looking <laughs> forward you. to it. I love road course racing. And uh, hopefully we can go out there and have an even better run than we did in the 600. Yeah, well, good we're one. excited.
1: I am going all in on Parker in my fantasy league. One week left. I'm picking you to win. I'm putting you in my top five. I believe in you. Um, I love it. Thank you. Great. So the Cup Series off this weekend, we all know by now. And that means that the Xfinity Series is going to get the attention in Iowa. So let's take a look at what we're dealing with. Two drivers, by the way, we should mention, got their first Xfinity Series win at Iowa and later went on to win the championship that same season. In 2011, Ricky Stenhouse pulled off the Iowa sweep before winning the title. And then one year ago, William Byron taking the checkered flag, one of his four wins that season, including his championship victory. And here is how this season's Xfinity playoff standings look. So take a look at this. Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick have virtually guaranteed their playoff burst with a win. You've got Elliott Sadler best on points, but desperately wants to get back to victory lane. And then on the bubble, Ross Chastain holding the 12th and final playoff spot by 27 points over Ryan Sieg. So we mentioned this notion of drivers getting their first Xfinity Series win in Iowa. Parker, what chance do you give Daniel Hemrick of pulling that off this weekend?
2: Well, I'd say the chances are really high. We've watched Daniel Hemrick come so close for the last year and a half or so, and he's run very competitively in that 21 car. You know, the start of last season, I would say there was a lot of – a large learning curve for Daniel, and he admitted it. And when I talked to him, he'd say, you know, there was a lot of things I just need to figure out. But by the second half of that year, and as they got into the, into the playoffs last year, you really saw him come alive in the Xfinity Series, especially in that 21 car. So I think now that we've gone into the season – And felt like, all right, it's time for him to win. The only thing holding him back has been really those Richard Childress racing cars. I don't think that they've been up to snuff compared to some of the Joe Gibbs racing Toyotas and what you're seeing out of the junior motorsports camp. So it's not so much on him. And as much as he's improved, he's had to have the team improve as well. So I think when you look at his chances going to Iowa – they're great, but it's really going to come down to if Richard Childress Racing has improved their program, had they made them better on short tracks. We saw them finally break a massive winless streak last weekend at Michigan, but can they take that and put it on the short track that is Iowa and bring that same kind of speed?
3: You know, I think Hemrick... If there was a guy that would get his first win and win a championship, it would be him. We've seen him in the Final Four at Homestead before, so we know he can get there. He just needs to get that first win, and Parker's absolutely right. I grew up racing go-karts against Daniel Hemrick, and that kid could could carry speed like nobody I've ever seen. He is such a good driver, and so I feel like it is just that little bit of equipment, like Parker said, but there's something about that team. They always find themselves in a situation where they can strategy their way, uh, to the front and that's why we always see him on TV on on race day close to the front so they've done a really good job I think Daniel's got a lot of talent
1: for us this is exciting because we get to spend the entire show talking about the Xfinity series who else Parker should we have our eye on uh, heading into the weekend
2: Well, the next driver I'm going to talk about, yes, he's one of my good friends, but that's not the reason we're talking about him. It's more about what he's been doing on the racetrack, and that is Ryan Turex and that Colleg Racing 11 car. That car is a very much attached or is an affiliated car to Richard Childress Racing. And so if we've seen more performance out of Richard Childress Racing, like Daniel Hemrick's 21 car, then you're going to see it out of the 11 car. And Ryan Turex has been giving this car a very consistent run. It's not been very flashy in the first half of this season, but it's been very consistent with seven top 10 finishes you can see there and that's the key for this team because they came into the season with a driver's change they've actually had some additions to their shop they have brought in new sponsorship and a lot of things have been going on with this team in terms of changing on the inside they've actually this past weekend they went and got a new race engineer as well from Richard Childress Racing so there's a lot of changes happening amongst them and I think it's all things that are boding well for their performance and we start to see it on the racetrack so I'm looking at Ryan Trex as a driver that going into an Iowa race like this where you have a standard race where he's going to be able to really show his mettle against some of the other Xfinity regulars. I just think this is a car to watch that could potentially go up there and win this race. And I know he's been very close in trucks to getting that done. And I just think that there's a lot of confidence around that 11 team right now to go out there and get this done at Iowa. Uh,
3: you know, Parker, you mentioned uh... – uh, Ryan's kind of slow start to the season are not flashy necessarily. And I asked Ryan about that. Um, I, I was like, what's different now? You know, they've ha- definitely had a performance uptick. And what's what has changed? And he feels like it's really just the team finding his feel for the car. I think he didn't anticipate the transition From the downforce that the trucks have and the grip and how much you can lean into driving a truck to the Xfinity cars and the downforce coming off of those cars and them sliding around a little bit more. And he really feels like they just figured out how to maximize the cars that they do have. Uh, But, you know, we talked about Daniel Hamrick and, and the RCR equipment and that it needs to step up in speed. And that's what... Ryan is driving, essentially. So if he maximized his equipment to get to that level, uh, now they do need that little bit of extra. But I think that's where that uptick in performance from Ryan came from, is just him being more comfortable.
2: Great. Well said. And actually, I, I agree with that because there is a bit of a transition when you go from those high downforce trucks to those low downforce Xfinity cars. But you know, there's another driver who seems to be finding himself in trucks and cup and Xfinity turning heads and taking very low budget teams and going out there and running really well. That is Ross Chastain. And I look at him as being someone that could really turn some heads this coming weekend at Iowa in that four car for Johnny Davis Motorsports. You know, th- week in and week out, we see this team just overperform. I mean, they find themselves running the top 10, beating cars that have massively larger budgets and he does it in the Cup Series. He's doing it in the Xfinity Series and I really think that this is a race for them that they circle on their calendar to say, okay, it's a short track, so aerodynamics are not as important, although they are a bit important in Iowa and it's a tra- it's a uh, you know an Xfinity standalone race. So this is a race for them where they can really go out there and perform. So I'm looking for Ross Chastain to have one of those great Great performances once again, and although that might not mean winning the race, that's running in the top ten, maybe even being a fringe contender for the top five. If they can pull that off, that is like a win for that four car, and they'll continue just turning heads, as I said earlier, like they've done all season.
1: How much of this landed in the Xfinity Series is looking at individual driver performance, who can break through, who can finally get that signature win, and looking at organizational performance, who has been trending well at a track like Iowa?
3: Well, uh, you, there's no doubt that there's organizational performance to point at. Because at Iowa, you look at a company like Gibbs has won three of the last four races. And the race that they didn't win, uh, Christopher, Christopher Bell last year led like 150 laps. Sure. He, he, he led the most laps. So um, I think that I have my eye on Christopher Bell going this weekend as someone who is probably going to be the favorite off the truck on Friday to win this race. He won at Richmond, uh, very similar track, similar setup. Uh, obviously, with the, the trend um, at Iowa, those Gibbs cars are really fast. So he, he's going to be one to beat. You know, his teammate Brandon Jones has showed some speed lately too. And I feel like Brandon has put together really good races and had really good speed but hasn't really close the deal yet you know we saw him up front at Bristol Um, he had a second place finish at Talladega but I I could definitely see those two Gibbs cars running one two which we've seen uh, at Iowa in the past Parker. Man, you really went on a limb with that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I do appreciate how you covered the the under the you know the the, the, the guys. Yeah. 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 The underdogs. So I just saw, I figured I'd take the easy route and say it's a guy that's that's won three of the last four races. I don't know yeah. Parker. Wow. You're picking him to win. Geez, I, I could never see that one coming.
2: I don't know
1: how to view Elliott Sadler like not an underdog, steely veteran sort yeah. of situation, but he's got this 52 race win the streak, Parker, that he is desperate to break. He had some success back at Iowa in 2012. He got a win there. I'm just wondering, and after this dust-up with Alex Bowman as well, like what he needs to do to, to break this streak to find victory lane and really kind of solidify himself with a win.
2: I'm going to tell you exactly what he needs to do. Keep doing what he's doing because they're just very competitive. I mean, think about how close he was to beating his teammate to the line at Dover earlier this year when they came, you know, banging doors across the line. So I think this one car and junior motorsports have been, as we've seen the last couple of years, the only team that can really compete with the Joe Gibbs Racing juggernaut. And part of that is what Elliott Sather brings to the table, you know, his veteran savvy of being able to know what they need out of those cars and being able to lead them down the right development path against a cup juggernaut like Joe Gibbs Racing. That's what has allowed them to run as well as they do. So so I think they just keep doing what they're doing. They're very consistent. They're always right there in the discussion for winning races. It's one of those things where you find yourself wondering how have they not won a race more than how can they win a race, if that makes sense. So I, I just think it's any moment here that we'll talk about him breaking that winless streak and then continually do what Elliott Sather does best, which is be really consistent. And once again, he'll be a championship contender. He'll find himself at the championship four and we'll be saying, hey, will he finally get that championship that we've been talking about for so many years? Or will he come up a little short? So that's that's the way I look at the one car right now.
3: For you're absolutely right about his consistency and Sadler is this steely veteran. But the thing about Elliott is he's got to keep his head on his shoulders. He's got to keep it on straight. He's got to stay focused. We saw the highlight right there from Michigan getting upset, damaging damaging his car against a guy that's not running for points against him. You know, it, yeah. it's, you can't have those things. Um, he kind of. Hung on to um, William Byron or, or Ryan Priest after Homestead last year, which I know he lost the championship, but you know that's that's a tough deal. But he's he's got to keep his head on straight. He hasn't won a race since Kentucky in 2016. He's. I'm sure he's seething over this as much as we're talking about it. And for Elliot, the difference between him being consistent in his win- and winning is when he can be focused uh, on that one job and not getting distracted by some sort of spat with another driver on the track.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. He did have three wins back in 2016, but maybe he just needs to kind of clear his head a little bit in order exactly. to get that one done this year. Let's drop up the standings one more time, Parker, before we kind of close the books on this discussion. As you take a look at this through 13 races – Give us one more driver on this list that you think we should be talking about.
2: Cole Custer and the double zero car there in fourth. That team has been, I mean, one of the revelations of the Xfinity Series over the last probably seven months. Since he won that race at Miami last year in dominating fashion and has been so close this year, I just believe that is a car that once they get back in victory lane, the floodgates could open for that team. And they bring such fast pieces week in, week out, no matter if it's a mile and a half or a short track, or a super speedway, they just seem to always have the speed. And I'm surprised they have not won more races. And, and, you know, the impressive part to me is that they don't really run anyone but Cole Custer. Yes, they have that 98 car that occasionally runs with Kevin Harvick and Chase Briscoe, but a lot of the development of those cars has been on Cole Custer's shoulders, and they've been able to bring really fast cars week in, week out. So, you know, you have to be impressed with a young driver like that, being able to lead his team in the right direction, being kind of on an island as they are right now.
3: I don't know if you looked at that graphic and saw Cole Custer and realized, oh shoot, I didn't even think of him because I looked at Justin <laughs> Allgaier and thought that exact same thing. We sat here and talked about some great drivers and, and I'm sitting there looking at Justin Allgaier six in points and and I think I might choose him over his teammate Elliot Sadler. I think I might choose him over Tyler Reddick, I think Justin Allgaier is a really good junior motorsports pick. He's been around for a while. He's had great support from a sponsor that's been with him for a number of years. There's good chemistry there, and Justin has something about him as a driver. He's a lot of aggression. He's a hard guy to pass. He's aggressive on restarts. I mean, him winning that race at Chicago last year in the playoffs was all driver, in my opinion. I texted Dale Jr. after that race, and I'm like, dude, that was a driver move on a late-race restart uh, to win that race. So Justin is definitely has the aggression. Um, Iowa's a good place for him. You could see him, too. So I guess at the end of the day, just tune into the Iowa race this weekend because well, it'll be a good one.
1: Well, you make a great point. This is an opportunity. Like, It's an yeah. opportunity for all these guys to have a shot, to have the spotlight focused solely on them and what are they going to do with it and if you make a driver's move or have a race where you really shine it can be a game changer to that end there's also a pair of drivers who are making their debut this weekend and i can't think of a better place to probably do it we wanted to give them a shout out really quick you've got 19 year old nascar next driver riley Herbst, who's making his national series debut with joe gibbs racing and also another 19 year old justin haley making his xfinity series debut for gms racing it as well so we wish them the best of luck and um what a weekend to do it yeah. All right, so we are going to take a quick break. Sunday's race at Iowa is going to present that big chance for a driver to make the playoffs. But for Kaz Grala, victory really can mean a whole heck of a lot more. He joins us live next when NASCAR America returns.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
1: Welcome back, everybody. The next chapter of one of the most exciting movies in history is coming. Do not miss the movie event of the summer. You can see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in theaters June 22nd. And 20 years ago, driving a Jurassic Park car that was nicknamed T-Rex, Jeff Gordon actually devoured the field at the 97 All-Star Race. Pretty cool moment to coincide with the movie. I can't wait to see it. Jurassic World, a story of survival, of course. But for Xfinity Series driver Kaz Grala, his story of survival is absolutely real. After leaving JGL Racing following last month's race, He entered a four-race deal with Fury Race Cars, and since then, the 19-year-old from Massachusetts has really been exceeding expectations. He entered the Xfinity Series after making last year's playoffs in the Truck Series, and he got there by earning a historic win in the season opener at Daytona. And as he looks to keep climbing this NASCAR ladder, Kaz also eyeing college. He plans to attend Georgia Tech starting next spring as a mechanical engineering major. And we're so glad to have the driver of the number 61 Ford for Fury Race Cars with us now on the phone. Kaz, congrats on such an impressive last three races. We know that this weekend marks the last scheduled race for the 61 car. How important is it for you to really finish out this thing strong?
5: I think it's very important. And uh, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, we've had a, a good run so far with these three races, and Iowa this weekend is our, our final planned race of these four. So we get uh, one more shot to go out there and try to prove what we can do as a team and, and see if we can find sponsorship to continue running some more races this year. I think so far we've we've exceeded at least my expectations. I knew that, that everybody at the team was, was more than qualified and experienced enough to, to get these results, but I didn't think we'd be able to do so so soon. Um, but I feel like each week we've been getting better as a team. We've been getting more organized, picking up speed, faster race cars, and that's what we need to do. And I think if we're able to continue running and need uh, some, some sponsorship for these races, I see no reason why we won't just continue to get better and better because we are such a new organization. You look at a lot of the powerhouse teams and they've, they've been in existence for a long time everyone's trying to get better always but a lot of them are are at the peak of what they can do they, they've been firing in all cylinders for years already I feel like we we still have a, a ways that we can go we have room to improve so um, that that makes me really excited about what we could possibly be able to do in the future
3: Kaz, it's Landon. I want to talk about fury race cars just a little bit because Tony Uri jr has a late model uh, company he builds late model chassis and races them and i want you to tell us exactly what's going on at that shop and how you guys are operating this team because i talked to tony at the racetrack in michigan and it's a pretty cool deal you you, tell me where you guys are operating this deal
5: so we're out of a shop here in mooresville north carolina and uh about Five weeks ago, all the shop did was manufacture late models, modifieds, and uh, road course cars, which are, are new within the last year. Um, so so they were not technically a race team. They were a, a car manufacturer. Uh, but but you've got Tony Erie Jr., you've got Jeff Foltz, Ricky Byers, Mike Fritz, guys like this who have been around the nascar national series for years and they have raced for years on race teams so even though this specifically wasn't a race team a lot of the employees there have have a lot of experience with it so it was a natural transition for them to to sort of absorb this xfinity program and and start racing it a few of the guys have been uh i guess semi-retired from the national series for a couple of years so there, there was a little bit of a, a learning curve there, but that's what made it such a good mix. Having guys like Shane Wilson and the engineer, the car chief, everyone that we had from the, the 24 car earlier this season, current in the Xfinity series came in and, and joined the effort as well. So it was a good mix of, of past experience and current knowledge. And, and so far it's been working out really nicely.
2: Hey, Kaz, it's Parker. First of all, Congrats on the great runs as of late in that car. You've done a great job. And it made me think about a couple years ago when I actually had to change teams mid-season in the truck series. And I can remember when I had that go down, I almost had this sense when I went to the new team of, you know, I couldn't – It was it, what could go wrong from here? Because, you know, at that point, the worst had happened. I had basically lost a ride, and now I had nothing to lose. Have you had that same sense of feeling when this all came about that you, once you got in the 61 car, you know, there's been an uptick in performance, and it's kind of that thought process of, of you know, what do you have to lose at this point?
5: You're right. I mean, I think it, as drivers, we usually race with with the thought in the back of our head that well, we can't we can't screw this up. We've we've got to do everything right. But it's a different mentality you can approach it with when you have this situation. You say, well. We don't have any expectations on us. We don't We don't know how we're going to run, so we can just go into this knowing, hey, whatever we're able to accomplish is going to be icing on the cake. The fact that we're here at the racetrack is already uh, amazing in itself, so now we get to go have fun and play and see what we can do. So uh, especially at a race like Michigan, where we started last, there really, truly was nowhere to go <laughs> but up. So you can kind of go into it with a little bit less pressure and, and basically just do what, what you've done for so many years of your life, racing, and, and enjoy it. And, and I feel like for me personally, I'm able to, to do my best and put out my best results when, when I am a little more relaxed and, and just going out there and, and doing what I do.
1: Kaz, you mentioned that you've been accepted into the engineering program at Georgia Tech. How do you plan to use that education? What appealed to you about that?
5: Well, I mean, I just love engineering in general. I was always a math science kind of student in in high school, so engineering was a perfect fit for me in college, regardless of racing. But, But then you take racing into account, and you look at how much engineering goes into that. And most of the time, you have an engineer on your team, of course. The driver's not doing that personally. However, the more the driver can help with it, I feel like their feedback and their understanding as a whole of the sport will be better. Um, so, so I don't see why that wouldn't be able to help me in racing as well. Um, so, uh, I hope to start there in, in the spring semester after, after this, uh, 2018 season is over, no matter how many races I get to do, uh, I'll get to at least continue focusing on my racing dream this year, uh, and then, uh, possibly college in the off season. Uh,
3: Kaz, there's one thing about you that I think is really important that I need to know more about. Were you in a KISS cover band when you were younger? <laughs>
5: You know, I'm not sure if this needed to be brought up, but yes. yes sorry, I was. sorry, Kaz, I was we have a photo. We have a photo, eight Kaz. Eight years old
3: or so at the time.
1: <laughs> We've got a picture, buddy. That is
3: some incredible makeup on your face. You look wonderful. That's about as much as I'm wearing
5: How now, did this
1: happen, Kaz?
5: <laughs> well, I was actually a huge Kiss fan growing up. I, I don't really know how I got into it specifically, probably through my dad, uh, but... But I used to play electric guitar, and, and I went to this, this school called School of Rock. Not education school, but it was like an extracurricular activity. It was actually really cool. We, we would take guitar lessons or whatever instrument you did, but not just the lessons. You'd even perform together, practice together as a band. And then at the end of this couple-month process, you'd go and perform. So that performance you have pictures of right there was actually at the Hard Rock Cafe in downtown Boston in front of friends, family, and, and everyone eating in the restaurant. So that was pretty exciting for me as a, an 8-year-old in, in full face makeup.
1: We say you give us the face makeup <laughs> this weekend, Cass. Bring it back. Bring it back behind the wheel this weekend. We appreciate you being with us so much. Best of luck to you moving forward. Thank you. All right, um, amazing. Amazing photo, by the way.
3: He shouldn't feel bad. I had to play (laughs) Elvis Presley.
1: (laughs) How did we miss that? Um, We're going to continue our focus on the x series when we come back. Landon's going to jump into the sim, show us the challenges that restarts can present at Iowa when we come back.
6: He is
3: um, very, very used to winning already. He likes to be thrown high, and I've seen him a couple times where he's kind of like, eh, you know, like that's high, you know, but he just, he comes back down and wants to go back up again. He's not, not scared. He's um, Rodney Dangerfield, I guess, ready to rock and roll.
1: With Father Xavier this Sunday, and with no Cup Series race, Kyle Busch can continue to spend his time flipping his son, Brexon, into the air and also into the pool. Look how fearless this kid is. Absolutely Whoa. no fear. He must have picked that up from Pops, I think. Nice way to spend some time with the Make family in run. the offseason. Earlier today, um, Kyle Larson revealed his Patriotic Patriot, Credit One Bank Chevy for the upcoming Stars and Stripes weekend at Chicagoland Speedway. Members of the military going to be honored throughout the weekend. And in addition, Larson and Credit One are also supporting a charity drive for U.S. veterans and active-duty troops.
7: Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool, you know, with Credit One Bank, uh, they do a lot for veterans, and um, we're kind of, between now and the race, you know, they're starting a kind of online campaign to try and raise as much money uh, with the fans that they can to, uh, you know, donate to U.S. vets, and Uh, they're kicking it off with a $25,000 donation which is pretty cool so excited about that weekend. We're going to go to a VA hospital and hang out with a veteran and surprise them with uh, tickets to the race so that'll be really cool to get to hang out with them kind of show them a VIP experience uh, on the race weekend and then from there uh, I get to go throw out a first pitch at a White Sox game so um, that'll be a little nerve-wracking but uh, I've got a a little practice, I guess, uh, done it a couple times. Once was okay, the other time was really bad, so hopefully this time uh, we'll be good again. It means a lot to us um, and our and other members You know, to do whatever we can to kind of give back to the veterans that have served or are currently serving uh, for our country, because um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do You know, and have fun like we do on the weekends without uh, their sacrifices for our freedom. So, um, anytime we can give back, you know, I know it means a lot to them, but it means a lot to us as well. So, uh, just try and do what we can to to show our appreciation.
1: Well said by Larson. And as he mentioned, he was a little bit nervous about throwing out the first pitch in today's White Sox game. Didn't exactly throw the heat, but at least he didn't put it in the dirt. We've seen much, much worse. I would consider this. Mission accomplished, for sure. Made it into the back of the glove. That's all that really matters. The next opportunity for Kyle Larson and the rest of the Cup drivers to pull off a win is Sonoma next week. But with the Xfinity Series in action this weekend at Iowa, Hawkeye State native Landon Castle in the simulator. Landon, what do you got for us? Well, I got
3: a restart here. and we, We're going green right now. I'm trying to get a run because at Iowa, there's a lot of room into turn one here, and you can usually try to dive bomb in here and make it three wide like I just did on this guy. There's some pretty good bumps into turn one, so you got to make sure you don't lose the front end. Give them a little room off of two, and then I'm going to try to get this 34 car as well as long as I don't get loose into turn three. Oh, got to give them a little room. Hey, Landon, I can't help but notice you—you've stolen my ride. <laughs> I did. I did kind of steal your ride, but right now I'm focused on this 34 car. You got to be. Getting... Well they
2: give you the advice I gave Cal Petty. You break it, you buy it. So, <laughs> okay, that's that's it. the
3: situation. I do. But yeah, I... you just you just knocked that guy on the wall. What are you doing there? I know. Well I'm gonna try the top here in three and four. You've seen these guys at Iowa. This group is really moving up the racetrack. This track gets a lot of age on it because the winners in Iowa are hard, trust me. It's where I grew up. But the the winter and weather is the, the winter weather is really hard on the surface and it, it opens up the racing lanes. I don't know if you'll see guys this high up the racetrack this weekend, but in three and four, they'll definitely be three or four grooves up. And as high as you were right there, do you notice that bump in
2: one and two? That's one of the reasons that you don't quite end up as high in one and two as you do in three and four because it's a little bit bumpy. As you said, that those winners have created a lot of character in the racetrack and it has a lot of bumps on the entry down into one, which is why you move around because you're kind of searching for some more grip, but the racetrack, as it gets bumpier, isn't allowing you to find that grip. So that's what makes that place so tough, one and two. I don't know about you, but I've always found myself at times overdriving this racetrack, because you think it looks like a short track and it drives a bit like a short track, but you can roll a lot of speed, so it kind of tricks you into rolling too much speed
3: at times. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I think it's because it's so wide on entry, so it just makes you feel like you have a lot of room to drive it in deep. You know, it's just feeling those bumps again in turn one and two. We talk about bumps at racetracks all the time, and and it's it's funny because a lot of times it just comes from having a tunnel underneath the track. That's exactly where the tunnel is, where the haulers go through and the cars park, and that's where the bumps come from. But I'm kind of working my way into lead here and my car's handling all right, but I don't know if these guys are going easy on me or not. Parker, what, Yeah, well, what I do you think, think? I think, well, here's the deal, after you wrecked one of them, I think they're all scared
2: of you at this point. So <laughs> that's just what the what's first the verdict is now. And then second of all, if you wreck any more of them, we're not going to have anyone to participate with us any other week, so you got to be a little nicer, all right? And I think right now, you got a couple guys that are hot on your tail, and you're using that bottom lane, you're using the top lane. You're switching your lanes well, but oh, there goes a guy on the inside once you went up top. So there you go. You've got to stick more in that bottom lane. If I was your spotter right now, I'd be telling you you're doing a horrible job, yeah. simply put it, you know.
3: <laughs> My favorite way to get through this corner right here is to try to get wheel out of it and just be loose and free up off of turn four. You know, I talked about that earlier in the show at Michigan and or at other places, and I, I think that you know, just getting the car nice and free is a good way to uh, roll the corners at Iowa. But uh, what yeah, do you think? Well, You look a a
2: little tight right there. You're you're losing the second place. You've already lost second. You're losing the leader right now. What are you doing?
3: Yeah, well, I'm just trying to maintain my track position because that'll be important, (laughs) too. What do you think of my driving here, Carolyn?
1: I don't, you know, it looks pretty smooth to me. I think this looks pretty effortless. Parker's really getting on your case. I think there may be a case of um, jealousy happening here. It's very protective over the sim.
2: It's not, it's, a lot of race car drivers describe someone else in their car as almost like them being on a date with their girlfriend, yeah. and, you know, I'm
3: getting that same feeling right now. Well, I think, so. I think we're coming to the checkered flag here, so, Carolyn, if there's anything more you need to know about Iowa, I'll just have to tell you later.
1: It's also the second time that Parker's mentioned you doing something, taking his girlfriend out on a date. I don't know. I'm sensing some serious, some serious inferiority complex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, coming up, Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio calling in with his take on Kyle Larson being the top driver in the Chevy stable and why Sunday's Xfinity race is absolutely a must win. Stay with us for Pete. He's joining us next. This day in NASCAR history takes us back to 2009. Mark Martin led only one lap in Michigan, but it was the most important one. The Hall of Famer taking full advantage when Jimmy Johnson and Greg Biffle both ran out of fuel on the final lap. That was then, and this is now. Kyle Larson away with the rest of the Cup drivers this week, but offered his thoughts on the state of the Chevys.
7: I feel like we've been the best Chevy kind of all season long um, there's been other racetracks and stuff where maybe you know uh, I'm not as you know good as uh, the other Chevrolets but for the most part I feel like we're quite a bit better than the other Chevy teams which is you know promising so um, we'll just like I said keep working hard and, and try and get our stuff even better and and I don't think we're that far off of the, the big three. Uh, I think you know, we're probably fourth or fifth best. So we got to just, just keep chipping away at it. And hopefully we can hit on something that, that uh, helps us you know, at the right point of the season.
1: And as we do every week, we are joined now by the co-host of the Morning Drive on Series XM NASCAR Radio, which you can hear weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern on Channel 90, Pete Pistoni. Pete, thanks for being with us on the off week, and a happy early Father's Day to you. What do you make of Kyle Larson's comments this year? How do you interpret his consistency among the Chevys?
4: Well, I think he's exactly right. I think he is right there behind the big three, but Start to think about the fact of why Kyle Larson and that 40T2 team is so much better than the rest of the Chevrolet talent. And I'll be honest with you guys: could it come down to simply that he is the most talented Chevy driver in the camp right now? He's got the talent. There's no doubt about that. And I know that it's really tough in NASCAR to sort of differentiate talent and equipment. But couldn't it just come down to the fact that right now he is the most talented driver in that camp? Why can't we just say that talent is what's getting that 42 to the front of the field more often?
3: Yeah, I I agree with you, Pete. I think he's for sure the most talented. Uh, You look at the depth of the Chevy drivers right now, and it's Jimmy Johnson is kind of it, and he's the one that has the most accomplishments. And I think the way these cars drive, I'm in them every single week, and I have to drive these race cars looser than I've ever driven a cup car. You have to get wheel out of it. You have to turn right an awful lot. Michigan this weekend, I was turning right into the corner, and that was the best my car was. That's something that Kyle Larson is really, really good at. And he gets the wheel out of it, and he's he's not afraid of it. He will hit the wall every once in a while, but he's not afraid of it.
1: Something, Pete, does not sit well with me, though, that <laughs> you're saying that Kyle Larson is more talented than a seven-time champ. How do you justify that? I mean, I know the equipment is just kind of revealing all right now, but I, I don't know. I feel like I'm not ready to commit to that statement right now.
4: Well, it's so hard. You know, Carolyn, I just went through an NBA season, right? And LeBron James was the best basketball player. Tom Brady, your guy, yeah, I think he's the best quarterback. I'm watching baseball right now. Mike Trout's the best baseball player. But how do you look at auto racers and say that guy's better than the other guy without putting the equipment into the equation? So in the case I'm looking at right here with the Chevy camp, why can't we just say that, yeah, I know Jimmy Johnson's won seven championships, but is it possible at this stage of Jimmy's life, and Kyle's life, that his talent is now better than the guy driving the 48 car? I don't know if that's so so far-fetched.
3: I, I actually have, and this might not be the most popular statement, but I've never thought that Jimmy was actually the most talented driver anyways. I think he's definitely the most accomplished driver that our sport has ever seen. I think he's probably one of the greatest of all time, but just raw talent. I think he's better at working it out. I, I think him and Chad have just had this chemistry their entire career that they've been better at working their way to a championship, which probably leads to what we wonder the future or what I'm sorry, what the future could be for the 48 team. Can they work this out? Right. They're they're in a slump right now. And can they get that win?
1: A lot of people are saying that they may not. And I mean, yeah. it's something you feel like Pete you could never really say. I mean, just even a couple of seasons ago, but it might be the reality of the situation, we could talk about the concept of talent all day in this sport because I feel like that is so multi-layered. But yeah. in terms of what we're looking at this weekend, Pete with the Xfinity and the trucks at Iowa, how important do you think it is to have these weekends where the cup drivers are away and it actually gives a spotlight to those series?
4: Yeah, I think it's really important. and especially this year where I think we've talked a lot about, not having cup drivers in the Xfinity Series with the Dash for Cash races, not having cup drivers, Kyle Busch running one of his KBM trucks in the truck series. So I think having the cup guys away, Spotlight at Iowa, which is one of my favorite tracks, a short track, which is another thing we hear constantly, guys, from fans on Sirius X NASCAR radio, we want more short tracks. I think this is the perfect opportunity to shine that spotlight Saturday night for the trucks and then Sunday afternoon for Father's Day. Uh, with the Xfinity series. And I think maybe if we have some more of these sort of doubleheader standalone weekends, in my opinion, the better off those two series would be.
3: Yeah, the key that you said there that, tags for me is the doubleheader. I think that those standalones can't just be the Xfinity race on it, on its own. I like to see the different series there. I like to see cars on the racetrack, even if it's a grassroots late model racing or something that you're putting cars on the racetrack because those fans, they, they need to see action all weekend long. You know, people come to our races and they like to camp out and you don't need a quiet racetrack during the daytime when people are camping out waiting for the big show to happen. I also really think that these a, a place like Iowa Speedway you know, needs to do collaboration with local short tracks. And, you know, my home short track in um, Hawkeye Down Speedway in Cedar Rapids, it's an hour and a half away. They got home track racing on Friday nights, right? So uh, they, there's, there definitely needs to be a lot of collaboration and a lot of racing all weekend long.
1: It's funny, Pete, because the fans that call into your show say we don't want these Cup Series drivers in Xfinity. We don't want to see them, you know, really kind of having their way with these other series. That seems to be the popular refrain from fans that call into the morning drive. That being said... Is that then a fan's responsibility to support these series, like you say, to show up for a weekend, for people to put these packages together where you've got racing all weekend long? I mean, where does the onus fall in terms of supporting these other series if people don't want the cup drivers in them?
4: Carolyn, in my opinion, I think it's incumbent on the fans to put their money where their mouth is. I'm all for giving the fans what they want. And there's no doubt, loud and clear, we've heard we don't want the cup guys in the Xfinity series races. We don't even want the cup guys in the truck series races. And we want more short tracks. We've got all of that this weekend. And the only way NASCAR is going to take notice of that is if you fill up the grandstands, if you watch on TV, or if you listen on the radio. If the numbers are the same, why should NASCAR make any changes to take the cup guys out any more than they already have and then worry about all the business ramifications there? I think if you want more of this, fans, you need to go out there and support it. And I'm hoping they'll go out there and support it this weekend in Iowa.
1: Yeah, certainly great to have the spotlight on the series this weekend. Pete, thanks for being with us as always. What do you have coming up uh, for tomorrow's show on The Morning Drive?
4: Well, it's, you know, Father's Day weekend, so we're going to ask the listeners to give us their favorite NASCAR father-son tandems, and there's a lot of them. This is such a family-oriented sport, so that should be a lot of fun. We'll do that tomorrow starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time.
1: All right, we look forward to it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. Coming up next, it's time to go back in time to where it all began when a young Landon and a young Parker were making their names on the small tracks of go-karting. My home track coming your way next. Don't miss it.
4: NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles.
1: Don't forget, you can check out the NASCAR America Debrief podcast as Jeff Burton joined Nate Ryan to discuss several hot topics. And also the latest edition of the NASCAR on NBC podcast is now available. Nate interviewing Hall of Fame crew chief Ray Everham. Interesting stories from Ray on Jeff Gordon's entry into the Hall of Fame. So make sure you check those out. Meantime, all eyes are going to be on Iowa this weekend. So now it's time for my home track. And Landon grew up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What was one of your favorite local tracks to race on?
3: My favorite local home track was the Cedar Rapids local home track, Hawkeye Down Speedway. I grew up, made my first start in a go kart there, raced Legends cars, modifieds, late models. It was a dirt track uh, back in the 80s. They yeah. paved it. Um, there's some dirt track pictures of it. I don't even it's remember got a lot that of history. A time like that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's been around a long time, has had a lot of good racing. Uh, they race on Friday nights there. They're still racing a lot of good stuff. Uh, there's, You can see that's the uh, Legends cars out there. Um, Man, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like a, a thousand cars. <laughs> yeah. That's
2: big
1: time. Is this, was that your- Autographed? did yeah, i see that, that was oh. my first autographed.
3: i signed it to my mom so and that was at hawkeye downs <laughs> and there's some go-karts that i raced um i, I love that racetrack they race, like i said they still race on friday nights in fact uh, castle motors my dad's car dealership is sponsoring uh, military night on friday night oh, this week huge. so okay uh, it's always a it's a good local show
1: yeah so if you're in the area make sure you go down and check that out uh, parker you grew up on the east coast but you do have um some ties to iowa if i'm not mistaken
2: well, I have raced at Iowa Speedway. I actually won there in '09 uh, in ARCA. And all I can remember from that victory, though, was getting pizza in Victory Lane, which was kind of exciting. So <laughs> I had not had that happen before, and they handed you this huge pizza, and you start eating pizza in Victory Lane. I was like, what else do I want after winning this race? That was great. Uh, I won the pole there in 2012 in trucks, which was a track record. At the time, but then our lovely researchers <laughs> let me know that that track record was broken the next year. So uh, I, I didn't hold it very long, which was, well, I was very excited at that time, yes. I, I didn't know quite what to do during that photo. Uh, and I did win the poll with that ra- lap time that's now not no longer the track record. So I've had some good memories there. I love racing there. It, it puts on a great show. And especially when you get the chance to move around, when you can move around that racetrack, it's an awesome racetrack.
1: We also, uh, from what we understand, we've been doing our due diligence. You were um, quite the name in Norwalk, (laughs) Connecticut as well, uh, just down the road from your hometown. Is that you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And the shark helmet. The shark helmet, I was convinced (laughs) that that had more speed, and it was menacing, and I was the intimidator with that helmet on. I will say it was the most uncomfortable helmet I've ever wore, so it was probably horribly dangerous having that fin on top. I'll uh, Uh,
3: humbly admit, uh, Parker, that I fell for the same thing. It was the cart shark was a popular helmet.
1: The cart shark. Yeah, that's what it was called. Serious aerodynamic advantage right on top the the cart shark. Oh, my goodness. That was fun. That was fun. Listen, you guys are part of my family here on NASCAR America. We know families across the country are going to be celebrating their fathers this Sunday, Landon included. Coming up, NASCAR Hall of Famer Ken Squire tells us about the unique bond between fathers, their children, and racing. That story next. Welcome back, everybody. Coming up next, right here, get ready for some great short track action. The NASCAR K&N Pro Series West heads to the Rockies for the Napa Auto Parts 175 at Colorado National Speedway. That is next, so don't go anywhere.
4: Being a father has certainly gave me an extra pep in my step. It's gave me a reason to want to get back to victory lane, not just selfishly because you want to win another race. I wanted that damn kid in victory lane. And uh, come hell or high water, I wasn't quitting until it happened. And, and, you know, thankfully we didn't have to wait too long. But that was that moment that I wanted. And it started the very first time he came to the racetrack and he saw, you know, his eyes light up.
1: That was such a great moment when it came to fruition. And family is as much a part of NASCAR's foundation as the cars themselves. There have been so many father-son pairings over the course of the sports history. And Ken Squire reflects ahead of this Father's Day weekend.
6: Going to the races is a sensory experience. Drivers, start your engines! You hear the roar of the engines. You see the mass of campers and fans. You smell the tire rubber and oil. At the track, you can reach out and touch your favorite driver. You grip the seat or you grab your hat as those cars rush by. Amid this spectacle, there is another overwhelming sensation, the sense of family, because going to the races is something you feel. We know these scenes well.
4: Come on, take her to the inside, don't let them get on the inside of you. What a day for this great third generation driver, David. Find the inside move.
6: Bobby Allison holds him off. They come to the stripe. You hear the encouraging voice. You know who I'm pulling for. is Dale Jarrett. Bring her at the inside, Dale. Don't let him get down
0: there. He's going He's to gonna make it. Dale Jarrett's going to win the Daytona 500. Can you believe it? You did just exactly what you had to do. Like I told you, right? That's right. Exactly like you told me all along, Dad.
6: You feel that overwhelming embrace.
4: This is as big a moment for you as it is for him, I think. I tell you, he's
6: something else. You smell and taste the shower of celebration. What a tremendous family performance!
5: Well, you know, when I was a little kid, I always dreamed about racing with my dad and having a one-two finish. But I wanted him to be second.
6: Passing the experience onto your children holding your sons and daughters, seeing what they see, hearing what they hear. It's like going to the races again for the first time. The heart and mind race with a different perspective every Father's Day. The speed, the scale, the sight, sound, and emotion all make sense.
1: Oh, our thanks to Ken Squire for that. That was such a sweet piece and so accurate when you're out at the track and you see all these fathers and sons and daughters. And I have to wish you a happy Father's Thank you. Day, Landon. Thank you what you very are you much. doing?
3: Uh, well my wife told me that for Mother's Day I'm supposed to spend time with the kids so that she can go do her thing but and for Father's Day it's a day for me to spend time with my kids. So um, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take Beckham like golfing in yeah. the <laughs> I'm gonna take Beckham golfing I, in the afternoon and I spend the mornings with Daphne, so
2: oh, I yeah, heard actually sweet. little Bertie told me me that your Father's Day celebration is similar to a Clint Boyer win celebration. It's the same aftermath. <laughs> I
1: don't think so.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe a cool, few cold ones. Yeah, not like Clint
2: though.
1: Well, Parker's available. He's down in Charlotte. And he can info. babysit. He yeah. can babysit for you guys and you I'll let you have the day. Over. All right, Parker, you're clocking in on Sunday. That'll do it for us. Thanks, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You can always go to NBCSports.com/NASCAR for the most. And we will see you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend.